tech companies' mistakes, and a doctor's endorsement of the Apple Watch. This is Mac Voices. Today's edition of Mac Voices is supported by Mac Voices Magazine, our free Flipboard magazine that brings you some of the best Mac, iPhone, and iPad productivity tips on the web. High in signal, low in noise, just like Mac Voices, Mac Voices Magazine includes information on how you can get more out of your Apple technology. Subscribe at macvoices.com magazine or search for Mac Voices Magazine on Flipboard. Welcome to Mac Voices. This is the talk of the Apple community, and I'm Chuck Joyner. This is part two in a three-part Mac Voices Live conversation. This time, we pick up in the middle of our discussion about tech company missteps and how they alienate customers and why they seem to be so obviously wrong, at least in hindsight. Then, we transfer over to a panel member's personal experience with his doctor and the doctor's opinion of the Apple Watch. Let's go back and let the panel do the talking. Apparently not Netflix. T-Mobile didn't charge us anymore. Or did they, Dave? I'm trying to remember. Uh, yes, my bill went up. Not much, but it was a like dollar. a dollar or something. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. okay. Because we get oh, I got I got around that by degrading the service, you know, just, you know, because uh, I found <laughs> there's only one device that we use. And, uh, you know, why pay for access to multiple devices if we don't use it, you know? Sure, and, I'm sure. <laughs> You degraded that your neighbors are knocking your door now. So, well, I, I mean, <laughs> I, I wasn't doing something like that, but uh, kidding. I think Netflix, you know, I mean, some of the stories around the valley and the local media here that sounds like they're just losing their freaking minds about, oh my God, <laughs> we've lost, uh, we've lost subscribers. We're going to lose more. Uh, the, our stock is now a quarter of what it used to be. Our incentive plans are crazy, and now people are quitting and leaving and looking for new jobs and yada yada yada. Okay, you know it's uh, just another Valley company that it's peaked in its time in the sun and it's on its way to you know corporate uh, middle age or old age and needs to make room for something new. Just, Mark, you know, why can't why won't they learn? I mean, and I don't. Any of these companies that they burn bright, they make they they make money faster than they can count it, and then they do something stupid, or they they seem to be surprised that there's a backlash with customers when they do something that customers don't like, and you know, like you say, you know, then they fade into maybe not irrelevance, but you know, they fade into a former shadow of themselves. So I think in the case of Netflix. I don't know what metrics they have. Uh, yeah, I mean, they have they have they have probably more data than God does. You know, I don't know if they have you know enough information to actually know what's going on with their user base. Um, but it, it seems, I and mean, we talked about this a couple of years ago on your show. Of you know, I think it's you, me, uh, Ken Ray, Mike Rose. Should Apple be a media company? Should Apple be a financial services company? And just looking at it, you know, just you know, the Netflix. Um, they're okay profitable, but because they were trying to get into so many local markets, they're investing all sorts of localized content. And basically they're chumps on a hamster wheel. You know, they're they're stuck in this, you know, we need all this new content in order to get new uh new subscribers. And that works up to a certain point. And once you're at some point, your growth will level out. And Apple, remember back in 2011, 2012. 
time frame uh, when there was all this uh, concern about, oh my God, if, is Apple, as Apple, you know, hit uh, peak saturation and their stock went down uh, for a period of years until uh, Warren Buffett bought it in and convinced all, of, you know, Wall Street that no, oh, it's no longer a growth company; it's a, you know, very strong financial or consumer brand company, and people keep coming back and buying stuff. And then they diversified their product line enough in terms of models and sizes that, uh, you know, they reinstated, you know, or sorry, reignited a couple of years of growth. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know that Netflix, you know, has it has a couple of years of growth because um, well, it's a one well, it's people, too. Yeah, yeah. Once people once people have a subscription, and you know, famously four or five years ago, uh, Reed Hastings was, was quoted as saying, you know, they're not worried about you know, people sharing passwords, and uh, you know, they think it's good because you know, get introduces them to the service and uh, gets them hooked. Well, no. In fact, you know, this this is a problem companies like uh, Dropbox have had, which is if you build a huge user base by giving away valuable services for free, then once you, once you turn them off, you know, they're going to just go somewhere else. Um, Google right now is having a similar debate among some of its uh, business customers who, you know, they were saying that if you're smaller than certain size, you know, 10 people or 15 or whatever the threshold is, you you can use all of our services for free. Well, now they're trying to trying to charge those users for it. So, I mean, that is that that is a problem a lot of companies have. You know, just trying to build a user base and hoping they can figure out how to monetize it later. Uh, looping around back to Netflix and you know, Chuck's question. Um, on one hand, it's easy. Intellectually, to understand, we're not going to be able to grow forever. But once you get in that environment and you're looking, and things are growing and growing and growing, um, it's hard to emotionally insulate yourself, you know, from that. Um, and then the consequences of, you know, Wall Street and the large investors, you know. It's an ugly world out there because for growth stocks, everyone, as long as it's growing, everyone's your friend. And uh, you know the reality is that you know, a lot of growth stocks, you know, it, once they once they peak, <laughs> you know, fifty percent of them go down eighty percent or more, and you know that's it. You know, look look at Cisco. Cisco has never regained its high from uh, you know nineteen ninety nine two thousand. Microsoft had a lost decade where its stock basically went nowhere until they got a new CEO. So uh, yeah, the thing for uh, companies, growth is good and investing in them, you know, everybody loves a winner, right? <laughs> but you have to be open-eyed about it that uh, they all don't have infinite uh, markets that they can sell into. Um, and once, you know, once they sort of have trouble, um, if they're over aggressively using stock as an incentive, um, they're going to get chopped up, you know, and because Netflix is down 75%, 80%, you know, it's, uh, it's a horrible situation. I know some people there, um, but uh, that's the nature of the business. So um, that cycle gets repeated over and over in, in technology companies, sad to say. Yeah, it it does. It, it that's why I asked the question. It just seems like we change the names, maybe change the nature of the service, but this just happens on a consistent, constant basis. And you know, is I I can't decide if it's greed, if it's lack of leadership, 
if it's the fact that they they did one thing and like like guy said you know it's a one trick pony and so this is the only thing they know to do and they haven't figured out a way to expand and and not that i'm necessarily smart enough to say well i could save netflix but you know at some point you know can you can or should you just be satisfied with a good solid consistent return you know, by becoming one of those services that's just out there and it consistently delivers, may not be growing necessarily massively, but it delivers on what it, what people want. I have yeah, a so hypothesis. Go, Joe. Yes, you do. All right. So, <laughs> so my hypothesis is uh, that part of Netflix's problem is that they refused to commit to their quality programming. And the, the way you get and retain uh, – uh, subscribers in this kind of market is you produce quality content and you continue to do so. So you draw people in for the cool show they went to see, and then you keep making it as a quality show. And Netflix has a reputation for taking a show, letting it run two seasons, and people are like going absolutely crazy over the show, and then they drop it. And, uh, and I think that creates a lot of, uh, of, uh, disappointment and ill will, uh, with customers because they now assume that the cool new show that's coming out on Netflix is not going to be around long enough to make it worthwhile for them to commit. Yeah. And another thing I would point out is, uh, these sort of emails have stopped this year, but you know, last year and throughout the epidemic, I get you know from once, you know, twice a month to uh, three times a week, you know, emails from Netflix about all these new shows you may like, and I must say, you know, they're just you know they're just uh, absolutely piss poor horrible that when you go in, you know, open the Netflix app, can you find the name of the show? You know, guys, you're just doing a horrible job. You know, you send out all of these emails. Why should I have to go and find an email to remember the name of the show? You know, present it to me there, you know, because you present all sorts of other useless junk in your interface that I don't care about. But, you know, the new shows you're sending out, you know, you should at least, you know, have those available, you know, for the person goes in. Because after all, you have my email address. You know who I am. You know, when I log in, you know, what shows I've seen, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's part of the reason why you're making uh, recommendations. But um, I think, you know, every every company, you know, has has its time in the sun. And I think this really shows uh, maybe how unique Apple is in that, you know, they have developed uh, multiple lines of businesses and against all of the doubters you know all the people a lot of the a lot of the iphone growth of the past five years has not been coming out with cheaper models it's been coming out with more higher end more expensive more feature-laden models and tapping into uh people who are willing to buy it because you know it's a phone it's a camera it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a whatever app uh you use turns it into that sort of thing so um you know unfortunately a lot of companies don't have it. Guy said Netflix is a one-trick pony. Yes, Facebook. I think they're they're in a similar sort of. Oh, position. their time is coming. Their time is coming too. But as yeah. far as Apple goes, um, when you when you know they are they are diversified. Even even when you look at Disney, 
you know, they are a big entertainment company, but they have parks, they have streaming services, they have movies, they have television hotels, shows, they have, they have hotels, they've got all of this stuff that's going on and on and on in, in different directions. It's all these companies that that come along and say, well, we do this one thing, but we do it really, really well. Well, you do that really, really well until you don't or until other companies come in and eat your lunch. So, you know, don't. You know this. This is this has been the, the the problem all along for so many of these companies is they just do one thing, and eventually they make a mistake and they get bought out by someone else who who doesn't care that they do that one thing. And the lawyers and the accountants basically, you know, it, it's a never ending spiral of doom. And the thing about thing about the iPhone is when you look at retention rates for the iPhone as compared to other companies' phones, Apple is like at like 80 to 85% of people who own an iPhone are going to buy another iPhone. They're not, they're not looking at costs. So these companies that are like, are trying to base their business model around providing the biggest bang for the lowest buck, what they're, they're moving in the wrong direction because with that, Biggest bang for the lower buck also means lower profits, lower amounts of money that you can invest back into the company. And they they eventually just either get bought out or fade away. Can I um, can I go real fast? Again? No, yeah, no, hang on go a second, ahead. Warren. Um, yeah. Brian in the chat room says, I would imagine that some of Netflix issues stem from less work from home over the past year compared to two years ago, too. And he also says, I agree with Mark. I feel like every time I'm in Netflix, they're showing me what they want me to watch, not helping me find what I was looking for. So so my my first point is Netflix is Netflix invented the streaming service, right? They they were sending out discs and then they started doing the, the movies online. And it was basically they did for movies what Apple did for music at that point. Mm-hmm. Um and they started it. And um so they've been around for a while. Yes, it's the only thing they've done, um, but they did it well, and they're doing doing it well. Um, you know, how many as a as a society, how many streaming services do we actually want? You know, is it bad that Netflix will eventually go away? I mean, how many do we need? We as well, a, I don't. We've, do you really we've, think they'll go away? I I don't mean to interrupt, but I don't think they will. I don't think they will. They'll be fine. But I what I think is. You know, we're always saying there's there's too many streamers. We had this conversation many times where our family members can't cut the cord because there's too many streaming services. It's too fragmented. Uh, it's hard to, you know, you say, you know, you go to Netflix and it's hard to to find a movie. Well, it's hard to think of a movie and then try to figure out a is on a service that I could stream. B is it something, and nine times out of ten, everybody who can is going to torrent the movie because they can't figure it out, which I'm sure they're paying for anyways in one of the services. So it's got a problem. Um, the real problem is, you know, that there's too many and the services are fragmented everywhere to go. Do we want one or two major players left in this field that's going to no. have all the, you know, all the content or most of the content? yeah we have it. it's called cable companies right so we're going back to that at that point um we're going back to what we're trying to get away from which is basically one or two companies with, the, with all the, with content. the worst ui exactly <sighs> so i mean so what what's our answer what what do we want do we want more competition do we want netflix to survive 
So Apple doesn't charge us 20 bucks instead of five. Do we want, you know, it's be careful what we wish for because Netflix is not great. Uh, They raised the price, but, you know, they still got, you know, Mark uh, as a subscriber paying what $2 less a month than he was, but they, you know, you're still giving him money. And, uh, you know, we were talking in the chat, they have good shows. They have stranger things, which is probably one of the shows that's, you know, keeping them around right now. Um, You know, probably one of the best, uh, most watched show on TV right now. Um, You know, and Apple has good shows too. Apple, I'm watching mankind this season so far. So good. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, the competition is good to too many streaming services for users is a bad, terrible, terrible experience to, to go through. And that's why people right. don't. Right. Because I think, because Warren, I think about what you were saying and what, uh, what Jeff was saying a minute ago about uh, quality of your offerings is Apple has had you know, really good, high quality shows, maybe not as many as, uh, you know, Netflix comes out with in a month, you know, they come out within a year or something like that. But, um, you know, it's uh, interesting that also Apple has priced it at a point where it's, it's an easy add on, whereas, you know, 17, 18 bucks, you know, for Netflix plus, yeah. Oh, I need to have an HBO or maybe an MLB or maybe they're some of these other things out low because they're just starting and they, they're trying to get subscribers. Right. Uh, whereas yeah. Netflix is going higher because they have the subscribers. Or they Man. thought they did because I think I think the reality is I think there's a lot of uh, also resentment of annual price increases over the past uh, three to five years. So um, even though it's hidden, you know, even though it happens once, uh, you know, customers don't like that, especially for you know. There's so much content that really, you know, I mean, does anybody have enough time to watch all of the new shows Netflix are coming out with? But anyway, I I, I don't want to be you know critical of them because. Uh, you know, as a company, you know, they invented the DVD by mail and then they went public. And in 2011, they famously had that you know big 70 or 80 percent stock hit when they said we we're going to split ourselves into two companies, a streaming company and a DVD company. Um, and then they got that going and then they led the way on producing new content. So, you know, they have, you know, two or two and a half uh, uh you know, successes of, you know, successfully iterating, you know, uh, you know, a changing and evolving uh, business and entertainment landscape. You know, I will have to see what happens, you know, with, uh, with what they're doing now. Um, but also now there's so many other companies that I, I again, I think uh, to your point, Warren, do they all need to deserve to exist? Um, you know, or do they need to consolidate that, you know, we have, you know, two or three high quality companies and then, you know, there's another half dozen or dozen of, you know, really niche oriented, uh, you know, uh, businesses out there. I don't think that's well, going to happen. Yeah, I'm going to move us on, but, I, but I'm going to take the last word. I Because I, I kind of think I'm somewhere between Mark and Warren, that if you're delivering the value, whatever that value is to me or to Jeff or to, to Guy, you know, if you're delivering the shows I want to watch, then I'm going to subscribe. And if you're trying to shove a bunch of stuff at me that I really don't care about, you know, I mean, you try to sell me rom-coms and I'm out of here. You know, no question about it. Science fiction, you're much more likely to pull me in. And that's probably true of a whole lot of the people here. But, you know, it just it just is the way it is. Um, I wanted to 
just uh, throw this out because I'm curious to see if any of you have had this experience. But I was at a doctor's appointment yesterday and he looked down to my Apple watch and he said, is that the one that detects AFib? And I said, yes. And he said, good for you. He said, you know, I think this is one of the best things that's out there that's going. And he said, you know, I'm hopeful that a lot of people will adopt this because it definitely helps us diagnose things so much easier, so much better. And this is a doctor who I don't think of as particularly technical um, from a, from a uh, from a technology standpoint, obviously, from many a medical aren't. standpoint. What, what, Dave? As in many are not technically oriented. <laughs> yeah, but but that's not a bad thing. It just, but I was really surprised to hear him say it. He, uh, it, frankly, I was so surprised that I really wanted, should have asked if he's recommending them to his patients. Um, but the other comment that he made that was interesting because he was talking about, you know, obviously how you can call up your AFib data. <laughs> Excuse me. Your AFib data and, you know, show it to the doctor or deliver it to the doctor. And he said, you know, in a couple of years, I feel pretty confident that you'll be able to send this directly to us so that we'll be able to monitor you, you know, constantly, yeah. especially if you end up having an AFib issue. May I ask, was he a, was he a specialist or a general general practice? Um, specialist. Okay. A cardiologist or some other specialist? <laughs> Are you implying something about more, my age? It must, it must be a psychiatrist. For I get more people <laughs> impressed when I pay for my groceries. Well, I hope it wasn't a proctologist. <laughs> I was yeah. just about to say, <laughs> unfortunately, he was a proctologist. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Ahead, I'll, add to the, I'll add to that. I'll add to that. I'm trying to get you out of this. Uh, I'll mm -hmm. add to the fact that not only is the AFib of, of, of very much value, the blood oxygen is is huge too. You know, when you especially people who are dealing with COVID, and that was always a big problem was that your breathing was lowering, your blood oxygen was dropping. Well, now you have a watch that's going to measure the blood oxygen yeah. and show you at 97%, 98%, but they start picking down towards 92% and lower, then you got to start worrying, okay, maybe my breathing isn't as well as it should because I might have COVID. Um, so some people have, I mean, some people have the older Apple watches than, than some of us do, you know, you have to have a series seven or a series six in order to have both those features. Uh, and um, that's what people ask. I mean, you know, uh, you you have to you have to know that. So uh, just knowing that the watch does that is is uh, is huge in itself. Just those two things. Now they they can bring later. They're still talking about being able to do uh, blood glucose, measuring your, your your blood sugars and all that stuff. I know we had a long long way away from that, but uh, this watch is going to just be continue to be a a, a medical aid. It's not something that replaces your medical, uh, uh, your doctor, and but it, it as your doctor made that comment that, that the fact of the matter is that that it it it's providing him or her that uh, that data uh, and allowing you to be able to, to see okay do I have AFib or not. That and, and David, what I found particularly interesting about it was, and again, you know, it's a doctor's appointment, so you don't get into a half hour discussion of tech. Right. right but, but you know, these are not. Uh, uh, medically are not approved medical devices, right? They're, but they're they're good enough to give the doctor some information. And the fact that, yeah, well, anything you know, I mean, it, some information is better than none, you know. So well, I mean, I I have my health my health app is linked to my doctor, so I get anytime I go visit the doctor. I'm assuming most of you, many of you have that set. 
or mm-hmm. you know, any of my, my medical results that came from my doctor. I want to be at a doctor or an, a doctor who's a member of a of a medical practice that that does this because now I can go to my my I can go to the health app on my on my watch or on my iPhone and be able to look. Oh yeah, I remember what that was when I went with that uh, thing that was that tested on me, and then I have it right at my fingertips. I mean, we've when have we ever had that? You know, all over the years we always had to go pull the paperwork out wherever we got that gave it to us, and 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 have not have all this information in our fingertips. Medical in itself, I think, is gonna is is really. The, the doctors themselves should be happy. The fact that they could send that information to you without having to spend time on the phone or talking to a nurse or you need that information. So and not only yeah. to the, the two things we just, I just talked about on the watch, but having that too is just huge. Yeah. Guy, you had something. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's related to all of this. Uh, my very first job in electronics, I told you this was a story was with Wait, this company that? called MedCore. And uh, this company made pacemakers, but the other thing that they also made was a patient uh, home unit that you could use to monitor the, your pacer information and send that directly to a doctor's office over a 300 baud modem. This was <laughs> oh, good times. Yeah, this was, oh. 19, this was wow. 1980, and it was yes, basically. I, I think my CPAP it, machine still does it that way. You take you take a. <laughs> You take your your telephone, your telephone handle, you put it into this cradle, and then it would auto dial your doctor's office, and it would it would send your pacemaker information to that doctor's office, and it would print out on paper onto Dot this matrix. You know, well, I, I no, actually, I think it was like like inkjet or something like that because it, yeah. it wasn't that it was really silent, and for 1980, this was like hot stuff. Yeah. Um, but that's that's where we were, and now we have that and a, about a billion other things on our wrist, and we and if that thing has cellular connectivity, yeah, we have instant communication with a doctor that can look at all of our vitals or at least yeah. enough of our vitals to make a determination on whether or not we should you know be going to the hospital or continue on to the barbecue to stuff our faces. So you know, progress. What are answers? Barbecue. 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 Our discussion of the Apple watch and its health capabilities continues in the next edition of Mac voices. And then we take a look at why internet Explorer, even though Microsoft says it's dead, continues to haunt the internet. That's next time on Mac voices. And I hope you'll join us until then. And as always, I'm Chuck Joyner. Thanks for watching.